Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, believe it or not, we are 12 weeks away from the start of football season. So as we always do here on Thunder and Lightning, we'll begin our opponent previews and we'll start at the end, which means we get to talk about the Egg Bowl in, uh, in June. So joining us for the first time on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, hey. Richard Cross, the host of Sports Talk Mississippi, joins us. Richard, I, I don't know if you're going to be up for this or not. We're going to talk about sports for the next few minutes. I, uh, I like that idea. Hey, Dad, I've been on a podcast with you one other time uh, years ago. Oh, that's right. When you and Bob Carskadden were on, I, I think you couldn't shut me up. We no, it was it was me and Stephen Augustinelli. Oh, your cousin. Yeah, we were on This Is Our Show, yeah. You held the record for a while for longest interview we ever did. It was like an hour and 15 You talked forever. It was incredible. Yeah, did. Don't ever say we fun. didn't give an equal platform. Oh, we had fun, or at least I thought we had fun. We I did. Fun. And then you never invited me to do anything again. So, <laughs> well, you know. That, uh, your Rolodex has gotten so dry that you uh, just were like, hey, can we talk? Well, I mean, and, you know, hey, Ben Garrett's on vacation, so, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, all right. I, I hear you. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the Ole Miss Rebels. You know, obviously here in Starville, the concern is sort of the same: new coach and no spring. How do you install things? How, how do you how do you get ahead of the game? All we've talked about with Leach is how simple things are. I don't know what the, the concern is in Oxford, but what is it in terms of getting offense going in the right direction, getting everything? It's all new in Oxford, just as it is here in Starville. What's the the level of concern up there? Wait, like you legit want to talk about football and not just like shoot the ball for an hour? No, <laughs> this is. <laughs> First off, this is not going to be an hour. This is. <laughs> I should, how long are we going? I, I need to know how long my answer needs to be. I mean, you, you, you an, just answer the question, and we'll just sort of go from there. Um, you know, so to me, when you're talking about Ole Miss and Mississippi State, it's like you're always comparing. Right. And so as I've done, you know, some various interviews and, and talked to different people and have been asked about who's got a bigger challenge. You know, is it Lane Kiffin or is it, uh, is it Mike Leach in terms of installation? I, I've kind of answered it in different ways because with Mike Leach, and, and, uh, forgive me, I'm already off the rails and not answering what you asked me, but, but I promise I'll get there. With Mike Leach, it's my system is my system, learn the system, or go find something else to do. This works. This is what I do. you got to do it. And in some ways, that's really, really good. I mean, you know what you're getting into, and you may have to go through some growing pains. So your question about Lane Kiffin, I think when you look at his history, he's done a lot of different things offensive, excuse me, offensively based on where he's been and what the personnel looks like. I mean, he made Blake Sims into a really good quarterback at Alabama after moving over from the running back room. But that Alabama team didn't succeed because of Blake Slims. They succeeded because they ran the entire offense through Calvin Ridden. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of identifies playmakers and figures out ways to get balls in their hands and seems to have done a pretty good job kind of masking deficiencies. You know, if you look at the time that he was at FAU, um, they did some different things offensively. At times they were kind of spread option. At times they were a little more run-based. At times they threw it a little bit more. Uh, if you go back to the time when he was at Southern Cal, call it plays. I mean, it was more of a pro-style offense. So I think that he's got a really good football mind. And, and 
you know, so, some of the public perception and, and what he does on Twitter, I don't think that's really who he is. I think he, he's a guy that is most comfortable sitting in his office, drawing up ball plays, and then going out and coaching his guys and, and trying to kind of figure out. He, he doesn't love doing the booster schmooze thing. He doesn't love the public speaking gigs. He just wants to be a ball coach, and he's kind of a football junkie. And, you know, I've had limited interaction with him so far. Uh, but I'm going to be really fascinated to see. And I, and I think that's why losing this past spring was such a big deal. Uh, because I think he probably wanted to get in, along with Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator, and the rest of the staff, and, and kind of figure out what they had. You know, what, what have we got from a quarterback standpoint? Yeah, we know John Rice Plumley's not uh, going to complete balls at a, at a 70% clip, but what, what can he do? Can, can he complete balls at a 58% clip? You know, how big is Mac Corral's arm? Uh, you know, what can he do in the run game? So, so I think that's what they missed out on. And, you know, the, the expanded walkthrough time that the NCAA has approved is going to be pretty important for them. But I think this thing's going to develop on a fly. And, and I guess the last thing that I would say about that, if you look at the times he was at FAU, when they played Power 5 teams out of the gate, I think they played Nebraska once. And am I crazy? Did they play Wisconsin once also? And just got drugged. Yeah. Now, I hope that's not a harbinger of things to come when they play Baylor in the season opener. I'd like to think the talent level might be a little bit different on, on Ole Miss's team. But after those kind of early season humblings, they got better. And they got better fast, and they didn't lose much when the, they were kind of on a, an even playing field in terms of you know talent on the roster. Is this going to be a three-man quarterback race up there? I don't think so. You don't think Tisdale's in it at all? No, I mean, I think Matt Corral probably is the leading candidate to be the starter. Mm-hmm. But again, you go back to not having the spring, and, you know, John Rice Plumley's really fast. Yeah. <laughs> he has the ability to make plays in the open field, but can he complete enough passes that you can get to a point where you say, hey, we, we can live with this guy? You know, to, to me, and so I'm kind of going back on what I said, you know, kind of assuming that, that Matt Corral is going to be the starter. If Plumley can show you, kind of going into the year, that he can complete like 58 to 62%, which is not, you know, I mean, that's in, in today's college football game, that's not a great percentage, but it's not terrible. I mean, it, it, it's functional, then that's probably the guy you roll with because of what he's able to do with his feet and, and how he's able to affect the game like that. But he's less predictable because he can complete some passes on you. But if he's like a 52% completion guy, and, and I don't want to put too much emphasis on completion percentage, then you, you, you can't do that because you're predictable offensively. And, and that was the biggest downfall of Ole Miss's offense a year ago. Teams knew what they were going to do because, well, for a lot of reasons. I, I won't go down the Rich Rodriguez uh, <laughs> rabbit hole today. Uh, there are a lot of reasons that they were predictable, but – the biggest reason was they didn't have confidence in John Rice Plumley's ability to consistently throw the ball, not even down the field, just accurately. So, I mean, there's a ton of arm talent there with Corral. He is an efficient runner, an effective runner, just not a great runner. Um, my, my guess today, as we sit here on what June the twenty, what is that, twenty third, twenty fourth, something like that. Mm. Um, if you told me to handicap it, I would give Matt Corral, you know. The, the best odds. Um, but I don't know that it would be like a significant advantage over, over Plumlee. 
I, and, I, and you're right. I hate that. I know you love Tisdale. I don't. I don't. What? Well, no. I mean, I, I know you're a fan of his. I mean, he's really talented, and he wouldn't have stayed if he didn't think he could, you know, potentially win the job if he gets a like a, a an even shot with everybody else. Is there so, is there a chance he goes back to the portal then if if he doesn't win it? I wouldn't be shocked. Okay. So. Assuming he plays, I like Kylan Hill better than I like either of Ole Miss's two backs. But for in terms of depth, I like the Ole Miss backfield better than the Mississippi State backfield. You know, with uh, with Ely and Connor, and then I assume Plumley is going to have a role to play there as well. Is there a thousand yard rusher in that group though? I mean, I know Plumley rushed for a thousand yards, but if they put him at running back, is he a, th- a thousand yard rusher there? Oh, they're not going to put him at running back. So they're just going to like try to find like a like a wildcat role for him, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I mean, if that. If Matt Corral wins the starting quarterback job, Plumlee will be on the field. And I think he'll be the busiest guy in football, too, because it'll be um, – oh, goodness. I mean, this, this, this reeks of this was another white running back that was good, so you're making a comparison. I, I'm not saying that he's Christian McCaffrey, who's doing it at a pretty high level in the NFL right now. But if you think back to when he was at Stanford, they, they did some different things with him. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my guess is that if, if Plumley doesn't win the job, he spends some time at receiver, they move him around, they line him up in the backfield, swing him out of there, because you want to get the ball in his hands, period. Um, you know, is there a 1,000-yard rusher? My guess is the distribution of carries is such that maybe you have a couple of guys that are in the six to 800 range. Uh, as opposed to one guy having a thousand and another having three hundred, um, but that's just kind of a kind of a guess. Um, I agree with you, by the way, on on the Kylan Hill. I mean, I, I think probably a more complete package at yeah. this point. At this point, um, if Jerry and Ely continues to develop and kind of becomes a marquee running back, if he gets the the type touches, and I think he's a little bit different type runner than Kylan Hill is. Yeah. But I think you're talking about comparable talents. I mean, he was he's special. Yeah. Um, I, ju- I just don't know if he's going to get the the load. And he, he's 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 thicker than he looks, but he's not huge. Uh, you know, he's not he's not six two two twenty. Give it to him thirty five times. Uh, but he's what six feet six one two oh five probably. Mm-hmm. And so I think he can probably run a little more inside than you give him credit for. But if, he, if there's a scene there, I mean, his ability to run away from people is is uh, really special. Richard, last year defensively, Ole Miss, they were much improved. Better. They were much they were improved, better. no doubt about it. Um, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe defensive line basically a whole new group this coming year, if I'm correct on that. I may be... I may be incorrect on that. I'm not the Ole Miss, you know. Don't don't know no, them up right. and down. But uh, what 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 hey, are you? Hey, it's a Joel, general question. Joel, if yeah. you don't know them up and down, just ask Hey Dad. He does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're a big fan of the third string quarterback, you know, you, you got to know you got to know your football oh, at yeah. Ole Miss. But uh, but no, I guess overall, just defensively, what what are your thoughts on this group? Um, with going to have a new you know a, a new group up front, just Defensive mm-hmm. thoughts: Is this team going to take a, a step back from what it was a year ago? 
I don't know if you heard or not, Joel, but apparently Javon Kirsch is coming to Ole Miss this year. They just got a, a transfer from uh, Canada. We, we were talking about it on Sports Talk Mississippi. We sure were. He's like, he's like 6'8", 250, and runs a 4'6", with a 35-inch vertical. So is it Bruce Feldman that does the freaks? The freaks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so maybe he's a. Here they uh, go, hyping up recruits again. Here they go. <laughs> there you go. I mean, you know, uh, he, was, he was a Canadian five star. <laughs> that translates to four and a three quarter star here in the states. Though, yeah, that's so. the uh, that's the exchange three, five, rate. Rank, yeah, two four seven. Composite ranking. Right. Um, no, no, you're 100 percent right. Uh, I, you know, as people have asked me about the, the defensive side of the ball. Uh, to me, the question is is up front because you you lose Benito Jones and you lose Josiah Coatney and Charles Wiley, Chuck Wiley transfers out. Um, Ryder Anderson is back and he's healthy, uh, and I think that's good. We, we, it was a little disappointing. Ryder Anderson really kind of um, he looks the part at defensive end. He might be a little light, but it it kind of looked like things were finally clicking for him. Then he got hurt early in the year. And, uh, and missed the rest of the season last year. Here's what I think. I mean, they're going to have to figure it out with a defensive line. I don't think you can go with like a, uh, you know, a, an 0-6-5 defense um, <laughs> where, where you play no defensive line. Jolie Dunn might have tried that somewhere <laughs> along the way, but that is not a, a proven commodity. Here's what I'd say, though. I think they're pretty good at linebacker. Momo um, Sonogo back and healthy. You know, you're two years removed from him having 100 and whatever the number was, 112, 118 tackles in a single season. Uh, you know, you hope you get him back to that level. Uh, he told me a year ago that if they had gotten to a bowl game, which obviously that did, he thought he could be back for the bowl game and you know, still be able to, to get the redshirt year back because of, you know, not playing in four games. Um so, so that's kind of where you start. I, I really like Sam Williams and what he brings to the table there. Uh, in terms of depth, eh, okay, it's a little thin. But, in, but with regard to the first group, I, I like where they are at linebacker. And I think the secondary's got a chance to be pretty good uh, as well. Um, so I would say those are the two areas that they grew the most last year. But now they've got to grow up on, on the, the defensive front of the hurry because you're right. I mean, it's just – some guys uh, up there and you know maybe those guys we, we get to a point where we know their names uh you know by the end of the season because somebody's emerged yeah you're, you're not looking for somebody to give you 40 tackles from, from defensive tackle or from from the nose guard to go get you eight sacks you just need somebody that can kind of be competent and clogging up the middle taking on some blocks you know occasionally disrupting in the backfield and creating some lanes for, for linebackers to make plays. And and I think that's got to be kind of the strategy they go with. State's won three of the last four in the Egg Bowl. They've won two in a row. It probably would be four in a row if, if Nick Fitzgerald doesn't get hurt in 2017. I feel like that's a, a fair assessment. Why, why you know, I, and that's coming off of a, a, you know, from 12 to 15, Ole Miss won three out of four and really, you know, had, had could have won, you know, four in a row as well there. The 13 Egg Bowl was obviously very close. Is, this a, is the rivalry about to flip flop back around again? Is Ole Miss building some momentum? What makes you th- just give me a couple of reasons you think they'll beat Mississippi State this year? No, there's a lot of ifs. A lot I mean, of ifs. My, if my aunt was anatomically different, she would be your uncle. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I really think it is about to switch, but but not like for three or four years. I mean, I think we're talking about for three or four decades. I, I really don't see a scenario <laughs> where Mississippi State wins again until roughly 2050. <laughs> 
<laughs> Richard Cross, I everybody. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it, there was a, a stretch there where home field man it mattered, mm-hmm. and then it didn't. Yeah. And, you know, you go through the history of the series, and you've seen some pretty decent streaks, but over the last, what, 20 years? I mean, nobody's really reeled off of, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they just won six in a row. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't happen in this series. The, the rosters, generally speaking, I'm not saying every year, and probably not this year, um, but, but generally speaking, the rosters are fairly comparable. There seems to be varying degrees of motivation on a year-in, year-out basis. Some years, uh, you know, Ole Miss is, like, really locked in for that game. And you go, you know what, I just got a feeling. Something's weird. And, and maybe there's something weird going on, like there was the night with Dan Bowen. Now, let's revisit that for a second, if you don't mind, unless we're, like, up against some time crunch. I mean, we're just – it's a podcast, so no, well, we aren't. Well, I mean, at the <laughs> beginning you told me I didn't have long to go. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. Um <laughs> Typical Nick, Ole Miss Nick media, just injury, you know, f- fudging what we say. Go ahead. Nick Fitzgerald's injury aside in that game, mm-hmm. and, and, and I don't, I don't really disagree with what you're saying. I mean, I think if he stays healthy, it, it, as bad as he was in the first quarter of that game, I mm-hmm. think he probably would have found something, especially in the running game, as, as it had gotten deeper into the ball game. Right. Um, but there was a weird vibe in the stadium that night. There was. And there was a weird vibe on the field, and it was, it, you know, I've been to a bunch of Egg Bowls. The, the first Egg Bowl that I went to was in, I've told you this before, 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the year that it returned to campus. Ne- never went to an Egg Bowl in Jackson. Uh, and I've only missed two since then. Uh, and incidentally, both times I was in the Bahamas for basketball. Once for women's basketball on the radio when I was doing Ole Miss, and then once for the battle for Atlantis a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, so I would qualify those as good reasons to miss an egg bowl. Sure. Um, but sometimes it just feels weird. And I think in the stands, which which I know both of you guys in the past have sat in the stands for this game, it feels different than that uh, for, for that than when you were actually on the field. And going back to that night, what year was that, 17? Yeah. Is that right? In a 2017, it was cold. It wasn't like miserably cold, but it was cold. And it was just weird as they were going through the senior presentations, and it was like, something's off. Uh, Mississippi State's better than Ole Miss is. There's no question. But going into this game, it doesn't feel like Mississippi State's about to win, and certainly not about to like run away with it. And then obviously weird things happen, and you know people are still convinced that you know, Ole Miss intentionally did the injury. Yeah, whatever. We don't have to re-litigate that or legislate it or whatever. Um, but it was a weird feeling, and this is a series that lends itself to that. I don't know if it's going to feel any different this year with Mike Leach on one sideline and Lane Kiffin on the other. I mean, do they diffuse things a little bit because they're kind of buddies? Has that gone by the wayside because of – COVID-19 or the transfer stuff, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I, I got no idea. Um, would I be shocked if Ole Miss beat Mississippi State this year? Of course not. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if Mississippi State won. But, but your original question, if, if we're rewinding, is, you know, is, is Ole Miss prepared to flip the, the series? No, I don't think they've got the roster to do that right now. I think if, if, if either team 
is going to go on a win four in a row, five out of six, seven out of nine. There's got to be a pretty significant talent difference in the two rosters. And I'm just not convinced that the difference is great enough in either direction right now or for the foreseeable future to, to see that kind of a run by either team. All right. Last question. Which Ole Miss receiver will Wait, lift his leg? Already? Yeah, but which Ole Miss receiver will lift his leg this year? Who's it going to be? Do you have a, an early favorite for that? I got a better question. <laughs> okay, he's got that. <laughs> I got a better question. All right, go ahead. Hey, Dad, if you uh-huh. attempted to do what Elijah Moore did, could you pull it off? Yeah, absolutely. I got to say, right, he's, right. he, he's yeah, pretty yeah, flexible. He's hot yoga now. That's right, yeah. Be no problem. Is that one of the poses you do in your little hot yoga? That, they, they call it the uh, the downward-facing uh, dog piss. <laughs> <laughs> so. Joel, I only get one question out of you. It's about the defensive line. Come on. Well, okay, I'll give you another one. It's like our interviews on the show, Richard. I, I, he just gets the one. I, I, Brian's such a professional. He's so good. I mean, I, I just leaves nothing else to ask. Uh, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hey, man. I've not ever said you can't ask more than one question. It's just he like gets so defensive. One and then you kind of let it go. <laughs> I know what ask buttons to push with Richard, man. I just know. <laughs> go with your question, Joel. I did you watch get? today, and uh, you know, you got your one question in with John. I did. So. I, and I had thought of that earlier. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, here, here, here's my second question for you, Richard. It, the, the year is twenty. Make it a good one, Joel. The year is 2025. If I told you only one of Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin is still at their respective school, the other is gone, who's still here and who no longer is? Well, history would tell us it's Mike Leach, right? I, that, that would be my guess, yes. Uh, I mean, what, he was... I'm doing this off the top of my head. I know you guys both know it by heart. He was like nine years at Tech. And I think it was ten at Tech and eight at Washington State. I was going to say nine and nine. So so 18 years between two stops. And Wayne Kiffin uh, will turn 19 next week, I think. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I mean, look, at, maybe I'm wrong on, on that. Um, you know, maybe – Mike Leach can't control, control himself on Twitter, and he doesn't make it. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, maybe he takes a Mississippi State team that wasn't expected to really go crazy, and John Cohen and Mississippi State did the work that nobody else was able to, and they go win 10 or 11 games, and then, hell, I don't know, Alabama, Nick Saban retires, and Alabama offers him the job. I mean, yes. Yeah. That seems a little far-fetched, but, uh, you know. But, no, history would tell us that, uh, that Lane Kiffin, um, to 2025, we're talking about five years from now. Yeah. I, I think there are a couple of ways to look at that from an oldest perspective, and, and you hope it's a positive he's not there anymore. Like, if Lane Kiffin is not the coach at Ole Miss in 2025, then you hope it's because in year one they showed some progress, in year two, they got a little bit better and recruited well. And in year three and or year four, they were a really good football team. And Southern Cal decided to, you know, fire Clay Helton and make a second run at Lane Kiffin. I mean, that seems unlikely, yeah. but a big job, like a, a job that is, you know, one of those top 10, top 15 jobs nationally says, this guy's grown up, he's matured, 
He's a great ball coach. Let's go get him. And in that scenario, I, I think, I mean, Lane Kiffin, for being honest here, is probably more cut out for big cities and small towns. Um, he was really comfortable in Los Angeles and Manhattan Beach. He was really comfortable in Boca as a suburb of Miami. I don't think he's as comfortable in Oxford. He's fine when people leave him alone and he can just be a ball coach and, and they have some really good results in it. But I don't think this is necessarily his comfort zone. Um, so if there's an opportunity at some point to go to a, a big city based on the fact that you've done a really, really good job, I don't think that's a terrible thing for all this. Yeah. And and if you really want to, like, you know, glass half full it, you hope that not only have they been good, but they've been really good on offense. And Jeff Levy has grown into a spot where you say, okay, we're ready to hand over the reins of the program to him, and it's a seamless transition. Um, I know that's a lot of, you know, you were doing the if, if, if thing earlier, hey, Dad. Mm-hmm. Those are the ifs. Um, that's a lot of words for the answer to your question. But if you said you got to pick one, I'd say Mike Leach is, is still at Mississippi State five years from now, uh, more so than, than Lane at Ole Miss. Yeah. All right. Richard Cross, you know where to find him every day, 3 to 6, Sports Talk Mississippi, on your local Super Talk affiliate, man. Thanks for joining me. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.